Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to October 25th. Uh, geez, that means we're almost in November, for God's sake. Uh, anyway, hi. It's Thursday. Uh, when last we spoke... Right toward the end of the program, we got a uh, uh, breaking news alert from one of you, appreciate it, about uh, bombs being, uh, packages with bombs being found at uh, the Clintons and Obamas. And I believe I also said, because that's what I was told, the White House. And as I read off to you where then we had all I'd mentioned about what's his name uh, Soros and then blah 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 Trump I mean not Trump Jesus excuse me I'm looking at his name here uh, Clintons and Obama and um, and I remember when I read that to you the White House being part of the picture didn't make any sense to me and I didn't say anything because I had no information. Um, immediately after the show I of course jumped on uh, my phone and uh, tried to see what the news was and the White House uh, inclusion was very short-lived. I, and I want to know and I haven't seen any reporting about it where did that come from? Uh, the the audience member who sent that to me got it off of you know what was being reported and some and you know that in this age of breaking news, uh, speed often uh, trumps uh, accuracy. And somebody put in White House. Where did that come from? I'm curious. Because that was fake news. Was was that an effort on the part of somebody to uh, put the brakes on a story, a big breaking story that increasingly looked like Democrats were being targeted? Um, I don't know, but um, I I never like disseminating false information if I could help it so I I just want to say that that was quickly debunked um, after I don't think it was in the news cycle more than 15-20 uh, minutes but and I am not in any way I'm, I, I appreciate the um, uh, the person who sent me the information um, who had no way of knowing that that was false information uh, so we're up to what nine now, with uh, bombs now being found at uh, Robert De Niro's studio in Lower Manhattan, and uh, I'm a little confused about this Joe Biden one. They're aware that there is a package uh, for Joe Biden, but it was missing proper postage. <laughs> So I don't know where it is in the system. It's been sent someplace else. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I really don't. The president yesterday afternoon read something off a teleprompter that sounded like the right kind of things to say, kind of, sort of, close for him. Uh, but it didn't come from him. It came from somebody telling him this is what you got to say. And then, of course, he jetted off at our expense, by the way. And wh who isn't lo who's looking into that? You know, presidents can, uh, can, do uh, political work on their own dime. In other words, if a president is traveling to buttress his party, 
uh, in an upcoming election, which is what Trump's been doing almost every day, then that tab, the cost of that transportation, security, all of it has to be picked up by the Republicans. That's not what's happening. He's doing these rallies um, on our dime. And again, the rules don't apply to him? <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. So he jetted off to middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. I never even heard, I lived there for 18 years, never heard of the place he was. Uh, central Wisconsin is uh, sparsely populated. There's more Holstein cows there than people. But it's Trump country, you can betcha. So off he went to try to buttress the loathsome governor there, Scott Walker. And of course, then he said what much more with much less scripted, although he's clearly scripted again. His energy was low because his handlers had obviously read him the riot act and told him that he couldn't incite the crowd like he usually does. And like a sulking child, he just sort of did wh what they told him to do and every once in a while put in an aside like, uh, I'm being really nice, aren't I? I gotta be really nice. But he still managed to somehow suggest that the media was to blame, and he never, ever suggested that any of his rhetoric had anything to do with the now potentially literary, incendiary nature. Literary. Literal. God dang it! Call it! Excuse me. I took a sleeping aid last night, and I don't think I'm completely awake. Uh, literally incendiary remarks. He just does literal incendiary. Oh, fuck! Excuse me. Literal incendiary remarks. I can't even remember what I was saying. Um, it never suggested that he had anything to do with it. And then this morning, he tweeted this. This was at 7.18. Here's your president. Up bright and early. A very big part of the anger we see today is caused by the purposely false and inaccurate reporting of the mainstream media. He couldn't even, he couldn't even do what? 18 hours biting his tongue he gets up this morning and the first thing he does is he blames whatever's happening right now caused by the purposely false and inaccurate reporting of the mainstream media this less than 24 hours after CNN's New York headquarters were evacuated because a live bomb had been dropped off there. It has gotten so bad, says our great leader, and hateful that it is beyond description Mainstream media must clean up its act. All caps. FAST! Exclamation point. That's a threat. <laughs> he threatened the mainstream media. Must clean up its act. Must clean up its act. And fast. So they're sending bombs to themselves now, I guess. Or the bombs are fake, or what the hell? I, you know, 
this is why somebody who is a rational being, I'd like to think I am, um, feels like I'm going insane uh, sometimes now. This is our president. Stoking. The FBI's out there desperately looking for more packages for the perpetrator or ors. And the President of the United States is out politicking and doubling down on the fact that it's fake news that is to blame. I happened upon a, a really extraordinary movie last night. I think it was early in the evening. It's Charlie Chaplin. I'm blanking on that. Is it called The Great Dictator? Yeah. And if you've never seen it, man, I recommend it. Because watching that bit of brilliant filmmaking now, and I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's a pure propaganda piece, does not work at the end, it gets a little stupid. But um, it sends up, it makes fun of Hitler and the Nazis. And it's brilliant and funny. Ah. And of course, Chaplin plays this Trump, this Trump, this Hitler figure, whose name is Hinkle. If you've never seen it, check it out. He and his generals engage in the same kind of conversation that you can imagine goes on in the White House about how to rile up the base, how things are looking a little strange. Maybe we better, you know, we better uh, go after the Jews in Trump's White House is, God, this midterm election, we better go after those, those brown babies and their mothers on foot a thousand miles from our border and recast them as an invading army. We better do that. There's a Mussolini figure in it, just a clown. If you've never seen it, you gotta see it. And if you have, it's worth watching again because the parallels are chilling, chilling. And interestingly, Roger just sent me, I think before I even started saying that, Roger sent this. The press is the enemy of the state. Citizens are being prevented from voting. The new Supreme Court is upholding challenges. The minority party is receiving bombs. Families are being divided and imprisoned. Seems eerily like 1930s Germany. Well, that's when um, that film was sent, was set. Yeah. I agree with you, except saying that, you see, is, uh, according to mainstream media, is akin to sending bombs, I guess, to former Democratic presidents. Um, when we suggest that Trump is a would-be Hitler, is a fascist, 
then that is considered as uncivil as sending bombs in the mail. Milton has sent me the speech that ends, pretty much ends the great dictator. And it's when, um, obviously in this movie, the, um, the evil Hinkle, Heil Hinkle, they say, is uh, played by Charlie Chaplin, who does the most brilliant ballet with a balloon globe of the world. If you've never seen that, look it up. He's imagining himself being the great dictator, playing with the world, with the entire globe. And there's a little Jewish barber who is also a character, also played by Chaplin, who looks exactly like <laughs> Hinkle. And at the end of the film, the Jewish barber is mistaken for Hinkle and ends up being in front of a rally of thousands, thousands of cheering people. And this is when the movie goes directly to Chaplin desperately trying to wake up his audience to the evil that is happening. And it seems so innocent. And it's, it's, it's where the movie started to lose me. This is so sad that it started to lose me because I saw that, well, I'll, Milton has sent me this, and I'll, I'll read a little bit of it to you. It seemed so innocent. We all want to help one another, he says. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Do you believe that? I used to think that of people. There's so many bad people around now that I don't, I don't, I think this is so naive and childlike. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there is room for everyone. And the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed. Now this is fascinating because this is 1930s. And he talking about how they're living in a new reality, not technological, but industrial, and in a different world that brings the world closer together. Obviously now, this speech could be given again, but would have to be ratcheted up a hundredfold. So this is in the 30s, and Charlie Chaplin speaking. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical. Our cleverness has made us hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery we need humanity. 
More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The airplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions, despairing men, women, and children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprisons innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass. Dictators will die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, do not give yourselves to brutes, to men who despise you, who enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, what to feel, who drill you and diet you and treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. And then... I found this very odd watching this movie last night because then this little Jewish barber who is, who everybody thinks is Hinkle, Herr Hinkle, quotes the New Testament. <laughs> so when he says, in the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, I'm thinking, wait a minute, chaplain, you forgot. This is a Jewish barber in night. He don't know, Luke. The people have the power, the power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power. Let us use that power. Let us unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Oh, God. Okay, so that, I, I'm not quite sure. That, that was in the 1930s, which is, what, 80-some years ago. And um, you could write a similar speech now. Nothing has changed. He's talking about the speed of that time, the aeroplane, radio. And how those are forces that can unite the world. And now, look at the speed with which our world lives. And look at how the greedy manipulate that speed and the ability to reach millions of people. Nothing's changed. Anyway, I'm sorry. If you can, um, let me see. Uh, can I do something totally um, innocuous now? I mean, it's not. It drives me insane. Uh, I was walking the dog the other night, and there was a guy outside. He was like picking leaves off his hedge, which is something I do. I actually sometimes get so 
I like start, yeah, picking individual leaves off of, so, so just so I can make a, and then after he picked the leaves off, on the way back, I passed him again. He was raking all the leaves together. And I said to him as I passed, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your rake and your hands picking the leaves off one by one. You're making no noise. You are disturbing nobody. You are not polluting the air. Thank you so much. I want to bring the rake back. Apparently, it's a tool that no, you know. It's is it like like um, a lot of things that uh, you and I can recognize. Does a child even know what a rake is anymore? Do they see them? I suppose on occasion somebody uses a rake. I don't own a leaf blower. I will never own a leaf blower. They're foul, they're noisy, and they should be outlawed. I learned something about them. I mean, I knew they were really big polluters. I mean, more so than almost any gizmo you can think of. And I find out in an article here that it's because leaf blowers use uh one of the cheapest kinds of uh engines it's called a two stroke engine it's lightweight cheap it's crude but the thing is is that their intake and exhaust functions intake and exhaust occur at the same time meaning that fuel mixes with oil and a large share of the gasoline is then spewed out unburned as an aerosol in the exhaust now whether you understood that or not this is why these leaf blowers are unbelievable pol polluters for that matter, lawnmowers as well. These fumes, these aerosol fumes that these damn leaf blowers spew are spewing carcinogens, fumes like these have been found to increase the risk of cancers, heart disease, and certainly asthma, and children playing outdoors. are breathing this crap. The poor landscapers. A lot of brown people there. Often working without masks, without anything covering their ears, are deafening themselves and endangering their lives. According to a study by Edmonds, the automotive information site, hydrocarbon emissions from just one half hour of leaf blowing are comparable to driving a pickup truck from Texas to Alaska. And think of, I mean, you cannot go through a day in your life most of the year without this cacophony of awful noise spewing 
horrible pollution. And let's think again, because we never think. We're big, we're bad, we own the place. We don't think of the smaller ecosystems under our feet. There's whole worlds there, you know. Insect life, animal life, living where we don't even notice them, we don't see them, and we can't live without them, by the way. These leaf blowers can put a blast up to 200 miles an hour. That's the power. And that can destroy the habitats of untold living things that we I was going to say share the earth with, but we don't share. It can destroy bee habitats, small creatures, habitats. All of this, of course, is essential to our ecosystem, but we don't like to acknowledge that, and we don't think about that. Rakes, they worked perfectly well most of my life. And you know what? I'd get blisters from raking because I didn't engage in that much. But you know what? It's good exercise. Get you out in the air. And it doesn't hurt anybody. Again, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of us. I'm sorry, I'm just not. I'm sorry, I must be in a mood. We have a call. All right, the grumpy lady said. We have a call. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hey, um, living in more like, um, well, I mulch my leaves and put the, leave them, you know, for the, the ground. Yeah, but good. only because I live with houses around me that people would complain. But when I grew up in the country, we did never rake leaves. We had trees, and it come spring, we get the tractor out, and we'd cut grass, and matter of fact, a lot of leaves were gone, and we mulched, you know, we sure. run them over with the tractor, them up. and that yeah. was the end of it. Not all this bullshit that goes on now. I really don't believe in raking leaves either. I, or, or you're going to rake your pathway, or you don't want to put them in your house, but... Like you say, they're good for the ground. They, I don't. They must think it kills the grass. No, it's actually better for the grass and the animals and everything. But we we have it all ass backwards as usual. You know how they do things. There was a great thing I, I I used to read uh, every once in a while about how it was somebody wrote it up about God. It's a, God speaking uh, to I don't know some somebody up there in heaven with him and. He's looking down at earth and he's looking at us mowing our lawns and, and, you know, blowing leaves all over the place and bagging them up. And, and it's God looking at this and saying, what the hell are those idiots doing? Yeah. You know, the leaves are supposed, I made this so that the leaves fall. And then, I mean, everything is, if you let it go naturally, it all works. It really works. But we get it in well, our heads that we need these, like, pristine green lawns. If a leaf falls on your pristine lawn, it is an outrage. It is an eyesore, right? And, and another thing, people spend tons of money on fertilizer for their lawns. Oh. And if you mulch your leaves up... That's yeah. the best goddamn fertilizer you can get. Absolutely. But they rake them away and burn them, and, and then they get more smoke in the air. But it's like, it's so damn dumb how they think. Then yeah. they bring out all that chemicals and spray for this and that. And it's like, 
yeah, it looks green and everything, but you're killing every damn thing in the That's area. Right. I mean, you're it's killing just, all it's of those, these. I will not use uh, pesticides me either. or any kind of uh, chemicals on me my lawn. Me either. I do I not. I refuse to do that. I don't either. And I'll tell you, if you look closely at my lawn, there's not a lot. There's a lot of weeds. It's true. But guess what? The lead, the weeds are green. And so if you right. if you mow it, ideally with a push mower, I mean, in the city, generally, you, yards aren't that big. You could easily do a push mower. Um, and and you can't tell from, you know, my, I think my lawn looks fine, even though it's weeds. Never heard anybody oh, complain. Yeah. I've had people say, yeah. your, yard, your landscaping looks so lovely. It's as natural as I can make it. And I, I hope yep. I have more, there's more living things in my yard. I'm not poisoning everything. I hate it. I just oh, hate, I hate it. Oh, I hate all that, too. I can't believe how chemicals just, oh, or chemicals. damn, people, what is wrong with you? What's wrong a with you? A bunch of morons, that's what it is. And even shoveling <laughs> snow, for God's sake. Get some exercise. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Right. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I'm t- hmm. Keeping up with the Joneses, ain't we? Huh? Yeah. We just got it all wrong. We do. Sorry, but we do. Oh, gee. Saudi Arabia now says that Jamal Khashoggi's death was premeditated. How can they keep... (laughs) How can they... Wouldn't they... Obviously, again, shameless is a word that would apply here. Can we? Can anybody remember um, the 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 changing uh, stories coming from this uh, despicable Saudi uh, government? Can we remember? First, they said he left the because he walked right out of here. He's alive, as far as we know. Yeah, he was here, but I don't know. That that was the first thing they said. Then then they said, oh, and this is the one that that Trump floated for them. That was the next story. Trump was the first to put out there after his phone call with uh, the crown prince. He said, you know, it could be rogue, some kind of rogue agents. I'd have done something to the guy. And uh, then that. I don't know what that have about a day old life, and then then the Saudis said, "All right, okay, all right, okay, yeah, we we did." There was a fifteen uh, man group that did fly to Istanbul uh, to confront and questioned uh, Khashoggi, and um, uh, but then the, a fist fight broke out. <laughs> One overweight journalist fist fighting 15 uh, security people that makes sense and uh, somehow he got killed um, yeah and somehow he got dismembered nobody they still can't figure out where the hell his body is um, and 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 now they're saying uh, uh, it was premeditated murder You know, if people in power can lie, with this level of casualness, and if then the world, other governments, sort of, sort of, don't call it out as a total lie. They sort of say, well, that's a slightly better explanation. Uh, I don't. Is it enough of an explanation that we can continue to take their money? Um, I mean, we now are living in a country uh, with uh, a ruling government <laughs> that would prefer to lie, obviously, it seems, than to tell the truth and who calls the truth lies, 
who calls reporting uh, fake news. And even less than 24 hours after bombs are sent to a um, yeah news major news outlet, uh, the president is right back saying it's their fault for printing false news. The only people disseminating false news are this administration and the Republicans, on occasion, honest mistakes made by others or hyperbole out of hand. But nobody has it as a modus operandi, right, that here's what we're going to do. We're just going to lie. We're going to say whatever we say, and we're going to tell people that what we're saying is true, and everything else they're reading, hearing, seeing is untrue. And if we do this enough, they'll eventually come around. That is, um, that is Nazi uh, Playbook 101. Goebbels, right? If you're going to lie, make it a big one. Because an audacious lie is more believable. Because how could somebody say something so outrageous if it weren't true? Little lies don't, don't do much, but big lies. And repeat, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat. That's what authoritarian governments do. That's what... and. And most people, uh, being human and human nature being what it is and the survival instinct being what it is, they fall in line. Which is why in 1930s you have a Charlie Chaplin saying to the people, you are not sheep! But people often are. We were talking the other day about how Republicans play the long game. And, you know, there's books written about it, obviously. I remember interviewing, I think when I was still in Madison, Wisconsin, I interviewed a brilliant guy named Kevin Phillips. This would have been in the 70s. And I think he had just written a book, which is why he was on my show there, called The Emerging Republican Majority. And I remember thinking, this guy's out of his cotton-picking mind. He was saying, <laughs> he was saying that the Republicans were going to take everything over. And... I I think it'd be fascinating to go back and see that book now because he was so prescient. I think everything Kevin Phillips wrote in that book, I remember me, how incredulous I was when I interviewed him and how he was a sort of very patient guy saying, well, Lynn, this is... And he was so right. I just watched everything he had said unfold over the next 10, 20, 30 years. They were playing the long game. They were building up think tanks so that they would have experts who would print stuff. And then politicians would take the experts printing and say, experts say, they thought up everything of how you build, how you can build up from the bottom, how you care about school board elections, and this, all of it. There was a piece the other day in the New York Times as I, that I didn't have a chance to talk about, but I'm going to share it with you now because this shows the long game. Here's, they're still playing it. They're still playing it. You've heard of the Heritage Foundation. That's one of their think tanks. 
the Heritage Foundation, and the Federalist Society. You heard of those two. Those are the two that pretty much, mostly the Federalist in this regard, made up the list given to Trump to say, you're going to pack the federal judiciary for us, and here are the people you're going to put on it. We'll give you a list of people who meet our criteria. Okay. The Heritage Foundation was also involved in this effort, and it turns out that the Heritage Foundation, rather recently, they're still doing it, created a training academy, a training academy, aimed at a very tiny, small group of some of the best and brightest law school graduates. They kept tabs on law school graduates who landed clerkships with federal judges. And then they got these folks and put them together and they said to them, we're going to pay all of your, you know, we want you to come here. We're putting you through this training program that is made possible by a number of very generous donors who have made a significant financial investment in each and every attendee. These best and brightest law clerks, we're told, in exchange for this stuff we're doing for you here, you will be required to promise to keep the teaching materials secret and pledge not to use what they learned for any purpose contrary to the mission or interest of the Heritage Foundation. This was a front page New York Times piece. It checks out. It's not fake news. And it said in this piece, the conservative legal movement has made bold moves before, and it has long cultivated law students and young lawyers, partly to ensure that there is this deep, deep bench of potential judicial nominees. This is the kind of group that Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch and all the others on the list come out of. But l when this training academy became known because somebody did what they weren't supposed to do and talked about it. It was supposed to be secret. Legal experts say the effort by the Heritage Foundation to train and influence law clerks raised serious ethical questions and could undermine the duties that clerks have to the justice system and to the judges who have employed them. Law clerks are not supposed to be part of a cohort of secretly financed and trained partisans of an organization that describes itself on its own webpage as the bastion of the American conservative movement. The idea that law clerks will be trained in this secret training academy to elevate the views and principles of the Heritage Foundation perverts the very idea of what a clerk is. I was married to a clerk. My husband was the law clerk to the Chief Justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. 
And that is, yeah, you get that job when you're one of the best and the brightest, no doubt about it. And you get it because you're a hard worker, but your job, and I saw him do that job, is to work for and on the behest of the judge, not the friggin' Heritage Foundation. When the New York Times got hold of this, they called the Heritage Foundation and said, what the hell are you guys doing? And they wouldn't answer any questions. They would not disclose the identities of the program's donors or who was on the faculty, what was, uh, which was said, by the way, the faculty that they put together was said to include several sitting federal appeals court judges who were teaching these clerks how to put certain ideas into their work for other judges who had no idea that their clerk was being used in this way. Everybody questioned by the reporters for this said they are unaware of anything like this on the liberal side. Here's some other bits from this piece. One hallmark of the conservative legal community since the 1980s has been the efforts of its leaders to identify and nurture promising young lawyers with conservative views who may rise to important positions. So these guys had handpicked Brett Kavanaugh when he was a kid, when he was just getting out of school, handpicked Gorsuch. They helped them up their way and got them both onto the Supreme Court. Incredible. I, oh, the rest of the story, excuse me. This story came out last week, I believe. Yes. On Thursday afternoon, a few hours after the New York Times published this article online, the Heritage Foundation announced that it was suspending the training program. It's gone. It was uncovered, and it's gone. Poof, like that. How many other clandestine little programs are these guys running? You want to know why Democrats, liberals, get their clocks cleaned all the time? We are up against some real patient. They've set the groundwork to where we now are. And have been working, identifying individual young men, mostly, young white men, mostly, and shepherding them through their careers up to this now packed Supreme Court. And others are now all over the appeals court benches. I'm sure they're on state Supreme Courts. Republicans did the same things with legislative races grooming people from low levels, bringing them up until they now control most state legislatures. There's nothing illegal about playing a long game. 
There is nothing illegal about this kind of calculated tenacity. So I go back to my question. Are we ready to beat these guys? Who do we run against a lying Bulgarian president? Who, to whom no rules apply? And we're not even playing this ground game that they play that goes on for decades. Just saying. Because I do this show, I read a lot. And if you wonder why I'm often down in the mouth and depressed and concerned and fr flank, frankly flat out scared, it's because I read a lot and have been reading a lot all of my life. I won the Time Magazine Current Events Contest when I was in high school in the 60s. It was a big to-do. Because back in high school, I was reading Time Magazine, Newsweek Magazine, cover to cover. I've always wanted to know what's going on. I'm not so sure I do anymore. Dorothea writes, over the course of my life, I have seen truth fall. People these days do not know the value of truth. People have learned that a white lie here and there can win a battle, but they have lost sight of the fact that truth can win the war. It is sickening to know that this White House, comprised of people who believe lying is a strategy, and that if you say something enough, people will believe it. Truth is the biggest casualty in today's America. Mark writes, can you actually be in a fistfight if your fingers have been cut off? The lovely and talented Lindsey Graham is angry and said the Saudis will be heavily sanctioned. Stay tuned. The pipe bomber has sure taken the caravan off the front pages. Well, that's true. And Trump has botched his chance to be presidential with his see how nice I'm acting statements. Maybe the election is going to be okay. Well, we'll find out, won't we? And here's the other thing about the election. Uh, I'll remind you. We got to vote. We got to get that vote out. And then we got to pray that our votes are counted. Because since we have become aware that our voting infrastructure in this country is totally porous and hackable. Next to nothing has been done. Because the Republicans control everything and they like this hackable voting system, which is, by the way, again, controlled by just a few big corporations who own the software, proprietary software, so that the government actually can't even own the software. We don't own the software that is used to count our vote. It's owned by corporations that give heavily to Republicans. This is all fact. Brian writes, the angry caller will call today. That's Joe. He didn't sound, did he sound angry today? No. I don't think. Well, not for Joe. That didn't sound angry. Who called today reminds me of one of my favorite callers of all time, Tony from Beachview. Aw, yeah, Tony and his dog, right? He passed not long after his trustworthy dog died. Tony was the guy who didn't have a friend except his dog. We've talked about Tony before. He was... No, I think Joe is not, Joe's not Tony. Joe's got uh, family and friends and he's capable of laughter. And 
Brian says, I miss Tony because he was a character. Yeah, we love characters, or at least I do. They enrich the world. Okay. Uh, Henry writes, I, just, I, I see the time's up, and I'll just get these other emails in. Lynn, this time of year I always tell my wife how I like the leaves on the ground. I like nature's confetti, he says. If it was up to me, I would leave them where they are. They'll blow away and decompose. I say leave them, go till the spring. She disagrees, and she'll be out there with her electric leaf blower. If our leaves ever turn and fall, because they're still green. That's true. Barbara writes, not sure if true, but was told not to vote straight Democratic makes it easier to hack. Better to vote for individuals. Okay, I don't know if that's true either, but in case it is, take the time. Don't pull a straight lever, just vote for each individual race, D, 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 D. Uh, I have no idea if that's true either, Barbara, uh, but whatever. All right, guys, that be it. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.